Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. It was interesting during the worship how we got led to this idea of trusting God and God being for us and his grace being enough for us because the, the scripture we're looking at today uh, is talking about a guy called Saul and he is not feeling terribly confident in any of those truths. He's feeling a lot of doubt, he's feeling a lot of worry and he's feeling a lot of fear and I wonder if that's something you can resonate with. Maybe um, you've been asked to do something and you just thought, oh, I'm, I'm really not confident to, to do that. And so your temptation is you want to you draw back and you say, I, I don't want to do that. Or you've been asked to step out of your comfort zone and it's just made you freak out and you think, I just, I can't, I can't do that. And so it brings all these fears of fear, worry, doubt, inadequacy. I asked a few people this week um, what they had been asked to do that they thought was impossible and how they felt about it. One person said, Giving a presentation in front of lots of people, I just thought, I cannot do that. Public speaking is my absolute nightmare. For another one, it's every day at work they get asked to work on a project that they just don't feel qualified or capable of doing. And so they just think, you've got the wrong person. I am not the person to do this job. And for somebody else, it was being asked to do a skydive when they're petrified of heights. And they're just thinking, am I gonna die? What, like, is that what's going to happen today? What happens if I die? Now, for me, it was being asked to lead this gathering, to take responsibility for this part of the church and to make decisions that ultimately would affect you guys and how you feel about church. It was something that I didn't feel particularly able to do. I felt worried about it. I had doubts about it. I, had a fe- I felt a sense of inadequacy about whether I could even do it. And I felt fear fear of failure, of letting you guys down, of making the wrong decisions, of letting God down. What's God going to think if I make the wrong decisions? Maybe those are some feelings that you can resonate with today. You can, you can picture or you can, you can highlight a, an area of your life and you go, yeah, right now I do feel, I do feel worry, I, I do feel inadequate, I do feel fear. Or maybe you know somebody who's feeling those things and and you're wanting to help them through, but you're not quite sure how. And because we're British, generally, we don't talk about these feelings. If somebody asks us how we're doing, we go, fine, thank you. How are you? Yes, good, great. I'm not going to tell you how I feel. And so we have this this front on, we have this mask on. And today, I just really want to give you guys permission to to take the front down and just be really honest with, with how you're feeling and how you're doing in life. Because the story we're looking at today speaks into all those feelings. The, the story from 1 Samuel 9 and 10 is about God calling a man called Saul and asking him to do something that he just really doesn't feel that comfortable about doing. God's going to ask this guy to be king of Israel And the story is going to show us that Saul responds with those same feelings of worry, inadequacy, and fear that we so often feel. Now, as the story is over a couple of chapters, I'm going to retell the story as we go rather than read it all out at the beginning. But what the story is going to show us is that God's truth brings freedom to Saul, and it has the opportunity to bring freedom to us today or freedom to those that we're helping, counseling, and discipling. 
So the story starts with Saul and his servant, and they're doing an everyday task. They're looking for some lost donkeys, some donkeys that have just wandered off, and Saul and his servant have gone out and looked for them. And they've been, they've been away from home for a little while, and Saul starts to get worried. Can we go an R for Saul? Yeah. Verse 5 reads, When they reached the district of Zuf, Saul said to the servant who was with him, Come, let's go back, or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. So this verse shows that Saul is a worrier. He's worried about what his dad is feeling. So Saul is the kind of guy who he leaves the house and he walks down to his car, and when he gets to his car, he goes, Did I, did I lock the door? No, I'll, I'll go back and check. No, I, I knew I locked the door. Or he wakes up at two in the morning and turns over to his wife and goes, did you lock the door? I don't think you did. I'll go down and check. Or when he leaves the house, he's like, man, did, did I leave the straighteners on when I... Oh, I can't remember. Maybe you're that type of person. Maybe, um, maybe you know that person. You're sat next to them right now and you're just prodding them, going, that's you. That's what you do every day. Um, or maybe you're sat in there thinking, am I that type of person? Do I do that? Yes, you do. You're a worrier if you're thinking that right now. And now worry is really all about control. We worry because we're not sure how things are going to work out. We, we don't have total control over the situation, and we can't guarantee how things are going to end up. So we worry about it. Saul, in this story, wants control. It's only over a seemingly small thing about how his father is feeling about him, but it leads to him worrying. That's the, that's the fruit of him wanting control. And it actually makes him think, I want to leave what I'm doing right now, looking for these donkeys, and I want to go home. So he, the worry drives him to leave the task he's doing and go and check if his father's doing okay. He has a desire to satisfy his control. His servant, however, suggests that before they give up and go home, they go and see a local man of God to ask for help in finding the donkeys. So Saul agrees, and they set out, and they're going to go and see a man called Samuel. So they meet Samuel, and Samuel's going to give Saul some very strange instructions in verses 19 and 20. Samuel says to Saul, okay, go up ahead of me to the high place. So go over there to kind of the top of that hill. For today, you are going to eat with me, so we're going to have a meal. And in the morning, so that suggests that Saul's going to stay the night in Samuel's house, probably in his spare room. In the morning, I will let you go. Sounds a little bit like Saul's a prisoner. Um, and I will tell you all that is in your heart. It's a bit strange. As for the donkeys you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They have been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and all your father's family? So Saul comes to Samuel and says, I've lost some donkeys. I need help finding the donkeys. And Samuel tells Saul, you know what, don't worry about the donkeys. They've been found. But by the time you leave me tomorrow, I will have told you all that's in your heart, and I will have told you that God wants you to be king of Israel, and who is all the desire of Israel turned if not to you and your father's family? It seems a little bit strange. And if you're Saul and you're a worrier, does this help you with your worry, or does it just freak you out? I'm worried about some donkeys, and now you're saying I'm king of Israel. That, that's not really helpful. But actually, what we see is that in these strange words, Samuel has actually given Saul a solution to his worry. 
Samuel tells Saul, you, you don't need to worry about your donkeys. You don't need to worry about your situation because God knows all about your situation. He knows all about your lost donkeys, Saul. And more than that, Samuel is saying, Saul, God knows all about you. He knows all that is in your heart. Samuel is saying to Saul, you want control of your life and you worry when you don't know exactly what is going to happen. The truth that sets you free, Saul, is that God is in control over your whole life, over your present situation and your donkeys, but also over all of your future, so much so that he's going to call you to be king of Israel. So there is actually a solution to Saul's worry here, and it's not to expect God just to bring the donkeys back to Saul, not just to fix his immediate situation. The solution for Saul's worry is to know that, that God is in control over his whole life, in all circumstances. So I read that and go, well, how does that, how does that help me? Because I want a successful gathering. I want to, secret, I want to be the best gathering leader. And I worry when I don't have total control about how things are going and how things are being done. You may have noticed me walking over to Rachel this morning. I wasn't saying I've got any prophetic words. I was like, have you, have you noticed the time? Like, we've got to do the news in a minute. I'm like, I'm all about control. Maybe for you, it's, it's family worries, like, how are my kids, kids going to turn out? Like, what, what kind of kids are they going to be? What kind of adults are they going to be? For you, it might be a work project that you're responsible for, and you end up trying to micromanage everybody or know every detail so you can get the right possible outcome. Or maybe it is you just want to check that the door is locked, but it's because you can have control over the safety of your home. Maybe you wouldn't call yourself a Christian here today, but you recognize those same feelings of worry. So let me ask you all, what do, what do you guys do to try and overcome the worry you feel? Is it, is it positive thinking? Just thinking, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. Is it, <laughs> I don't know why I wrote this down, is it Pilates for anybody? It's just like, oh, I'm worried, Pilates video, that's where I'm going. Is it, is it having a drink after work or is it having coffee in the morning? If I'm, if I'm just awake enough, things will be fine. Is it watching TV or films? Is it, is it escapism? Get, let's just get out of this situation and into something else. And another question, does it, does it always work? Like, is it a foolproof solution to your worry? Or do you sometimes find yourself suppressing the worry and pretending like it's not there? You see, the truth that sets us free from all worry is that God knows all about our situation. And he's in control over every situation we find ourselves in. Whatever happens to us, whatever happens to me, whatever is going to happen to us or happen to me, God already knows about. He isn't surprised when we get some shocking news. God isn't like, whoa, I didn't see that one coming. He's like, no, I knew this was going to happen. And I'm with you in this situation. I'm going to work all things in your life together for your good even the most painful, the most hurtful, the most disastrous circumstances, God is able to work that together for your good. See, I might not know everything that's going to happen in this service. I won't have 100% control over it. But the truth, the truth that sets me free, the truth that I was praying over myself as we were in worship, is that, God, you know what's going to happen during this service, and you're going to use it for my good. So I pray that truth over myself, most days, most mornings, whenever I feel worry. I read that truth in Romans 8, that God works things, all things together for the good of those who love him. He is in control so that 
I don't have to be, so that you don't have to be, and so that we don't have to worry. So this meeting with Samuel helps Saul with his worry, but it also unearths Saul's next issue. Samuel has just told Saul, God wants you as king of Israel. So Saul responds in verse 21, but am I not a Benjamite from the smallest of tribes of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? Translation, Samuel, you've got the wrong guy. You're like, you must be thinking of somebody else. I'm, I'm really not worth noting. I'm not adequate for this role. Like smallest tribe, smallest clan. I'm not the guy you pick. I wouldn't even pick me for this. God's not going to pick me for this. Samuel, sorry, Saul feels totally inadequate for what God is asking him to do. And this feeling of inadequacy that Saul feels is actually linked to the desire to be approved of. And when we feel inadequate, it's because we don't feel approval from the people that we value in our lives, whether it be our friends, our work colleagues, our family members, or even more often than not, just ourselves. So when Mosaic asked me to help lead this gathering, I went up to people and I was like, surely, surely not me. I'm too young, I'm too inexperienced, I'm not holy enough, I make too many risky jokes, I'm going to end up offending most of the people that come to the north. They must be looking for somebody else. But you see, what I was actually doing in that, I was creating opportunities. I was creating opportunities, often through self-deprecating humor, for you guys to say to me, no, Dave, you'll be great. Like, humor's a good thing. It doesn't matter if you offend a few people. It's fine. You'll be great. I was giving you guys opportunities to say to me, yeah, we approve of you. So I could convince myself that, yeah, actually, yeah, I could do this. I approve of myself to do this. Do you, ever, do you ever find yourself doing that? Somebody says, oh, you'd be great at this. And you're like, no, no, I'm no good. I just can't do it. No, it, it can't be me. But then you leave that pause. It can't be me. Like, yeah, yeah, you're great, you're good. I knew it, I knew it. We we call it fishing for compliments, don't we? But it's not really. It's called fishing for approval, looking for people's approval so that we don't feel inadequate. Well, God is actually going to give an answer to Saul's feeling of, of inadequacy, my feeling of inadequacy, and yours as well. The next morning, Saul and his servant are about to leave Samuel, but Samuel asks Saul, I just want a quick word with you, so send your servant on ahead so I can have a quick chat. So Saul does that, and then in chapter 10, verse 1, Samuel takes some oil, and he pours it over Saul's head, and he kisses him. Now, the practice of pouring oil over something in the Old Testament was kind of to anoint that person or that item for a function or a service for God. And then Samuel says to Saul, has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance or over his people? So Saul says, I'm, I'm from the smallest tribe, the smallest clan. I'm a nothing and nobody. You've got the wrong guy. Nobody will approve of me being king. I don't approve of me being king. And God's response is to say to Saul, you know what? Maybe the world wouldn't approve of you being king. Maybe other people won't approve of you being king. Maybe you don't approve of you being king, Saul. But I approve of you. I choose you, Saul. That is God's response to him. You have my approval. In your life, when do you feel inadequate? Where do you feel like they've just got the wrong person for this job? 
Maybe it's leading something in church. Maybe it's leading a mission group or a serving team. Maybe it's going up to somebody and offering to disciple them. And you just think, they're not going to respect me. They're going to think I don't know enough. And God says to us, you don't need the approval of a friend or a family member or a boss or a work colleague to feel adequate. And you don't need to feel inadequate because you don't think you're the right person or you don't think you've got the ability to do it because you have my approval. I have chosen you to do what you're doing and I have chosen you to be in relationship with me. You are my choice, says God. And, and the great thing is his approval of us doesn't rest on our abilities but on his choice. And God is in the habit of doing this right through the scriptures. You might know the story of Moses from Exodus where God calls to Moses from, from inside a burning bush and he's going to ask Moses, all right, I want you to go into Egypt, which is like the land of your enemies, okay, where all my people, all God's people are in slavery and you're going to speak to Pharaoh, the most powerful person in Egypt, and you're going to ask for him to let you, my people go, says God. And Moses goes, okay. Um, I'm, no, who am I that I should do this, Moses says. God responds, well, I am with you. You will bring my people out and you'll worship me at this mountain that I'm talking to you from. Moses says, well, what, okay, what if they ask who, who you are, God? What if they ask who gave me the instructions? And God says, well, I am who I am. I'm the eternal God and I have sent you. And Moses says, okay, what if, what if they don't believe me? God says, okay, I'll give you a sign. You, you see the staff in your hands. Every time you throw the staff to the floor, it will become a snake. And when you pick the snake up by the tail, it will return and be a staff. It will be the sign that my power is with you. Moses is like, oh, okay, that might work. But, ah, I'm slow of speech and I'm not very eloquent. They're not going to listen to me, God. God says, I'm the God who made you. I made your vocal cords. I made your tongue. I can make you speak. And Moses then just goes, oh, please send somebody else. I really don't want to do this. I just don't feel adequate. I can't do this. And God says, okay, fine. I'll send you with your brother Aaron, and Aaron will be your mouthpiece for you. But you will go, Moses, because I approve of you to do this task. And you will lead my people out of Egypt. And what you see throughout the whole of Exodus is Moses stands on faith that God approves of him. And he goes to Pharaoh and he goes, let my people go. Ten times. Pharaoh goes, no. And Moses keeps going back and keeps plugging away. Then he gets the people out and they go through the Red Sea. And then the people start to grumble. And they're like, man, this desert's so hot and there's no food and there's no water. Moses, you're mental. Why have you brought us out here? Moses is like, no, I, God has told me to do this. He's approved of me to do this role. And he keeps doing it and he keeps doing it and he keeps doing it. Why is he able to do it? Because he trusts that God has chosen him to do that task. He trusts that he is God's choice, that God makes him adequate, that God approves of him to do it, even when everybody else says, we don't like you, Moses, and we don't think you're doing the right thing. So maybe you feel a little bit like Moses today or a little bit like Saul. You're lacking confidence or you're concerned with other people's opinions or you're just, you're just not sure of your own capabilities. And God says, you know what? When you compare what you say about yourself or what other people about you say about you, when you compare that with my opinion of you, 
even your own opinion comes very, very small by comparison. Sometimes we just need to stop and meditate on the truth that God says, I've chosen you. I love you. I'm with you. Everybody else might be against you. Everybody else might hate you, but I'm with you. My love for you never fails. It never stops. I never change my mind. If I've chosen you to be in relationship with me, I don't wake up in a bad mood and suddenly cast you out. I'm with you every day in every situation. I approve of you. As we sang earlier, your grace is enough, Lord. We've got to remember, God, your grace is enough for me this morning. Your grace doesn't matter about anything else. Now in the story of Moses, God gave Moses a sign that he was with him. He turned Moses' staff into a snake to show he was with Moses. And Saul, in this story, gets a sign as well that God is with him. God tells Saul through Samuel, I'm going to fill you with my Holy Spirit. And this is what Matt spoke about last week. And Saul, you're going to be changed into a totally different person. Your heart is going to be changed, and I'm going to equip you for the task of being king. Saul is then filled with God's spirit. His heart is changed. He is transformed, and he's equipped with spiritual gifts and abilities. In fact, he starts prophesying with a traveling band of prophets who just happen to be coming through the area. So you might think, great, Saul's now equipped. He's got power. He's got the Holy Spirit with him. Yeah, he can be king now. But Saul's got one final feeling to overcome. You see, when, when Saul is filled with the Holy Spirit, his heart is changed, and when he, when he starts prophesying, he's in his hometown. It's a bit of a nightmare, because suddenly everybody that has known Saul since he was a wee little baby is now growing up, and they're all going, ah, what's he doing these days? He's got himself into a bit of funny business. He's changed. Like, what's he doing with the prophets, pretending he can prophesy? We know Saul from small when he was running around naked in my garden. Like that. He's changed. It's very easy to change when you're around different people. It's really hard to change and to stand out, especially to stand out for God when you're around people that know you really well and have known you for a really long time. And Saul has a reaction. Saul is suddenly gripped with fear. What are people going to think? What are they going to say? Like, do you ever feel like that? What are my friends going to think of me if I say I'm a Christian and I think Jesus loves me? Awkward silence. What are my work colleagues going to think if I invite one of them to church or if I stand up and say, yeah, I, I believe God exists? What will my neighbors or my families think if I invite them to the public launch next week to a church event? And Saul shows his fear in verses 20 and 22. See, Samuel has assembled everybody in Israel to elect their king. And they've, they've whittled it down until the selection falls on Saul, as God has ordained would happen. And then everybody asks, well, where is he? Where is Saul? Where's this new king of ours? Have you ever had that temptation to flee from a big moment, to, to duck out of a big event that you're responsible for or that you've been given? It's, it's coming up and you just look for any excuse not to go, not to do it. You're asked to lead something when the time comes, you just run, a, run away and hide. I get that most Sunday mornings about half past ten. Um, I know the feeling. I know the fear. I know that I just want to run and hide. And Saul does that now. He goes and hides amongst the mounds and mounds of baggage that the people of Israel have brought with them. God, however, knows what he's doing. And so he calls Saul out. 
And the people are like, where's Saul? Where's Saul? And God goes, right here. Yeah, he's, he's just in between those two bags, just over there. That's him. Now, you've probably got a friend like this. Like, if you don't like singing, which is me, um, and you go to, like, a karaoke evening, you, like, try and hide at the back, and you're like, yeah, I don't want to sing. Then you've got that friend who's like, Dave hasn't sang yet. Yeah, let's get Dave, and let's get everybody to watch him. And you're like, I hate you. Or, or it's weddings. Anybody not like dancing at weddings? Yeah, and you just got that friend who's like, Dave hasn't danced yet. And you're like, just trying to like, coolly hang near the bar. You're like, I don't, I don't need to dance, I'm just drinking, it's fine. And you got that friend who comes over and like, Dave, you haven't danced, come on. And then he gets all your other friends to look at you and goes, yeah, Dave's dancing. Yoo-hoo. You're like, I hate you. Well, God's that friend in this situation. <laughs> What's he doing? Why, why is God being so mean to Saul? Why is he doing this? Can't he just let Saul like, hide and deal with his fear in private? But see, God is saying to Saul, you know what, to overcome your fear, to overcome your fear of what people think about you, to overcome your fear that you're going to be an absolute failure as king, you have to trust me. Because you don't fear when you trust. Like a little child won't fear the dark if she trusts that her dad is in the next room and he will batter any burglars that come in and try and get her. A little kid doesn't fear because they trust her dad. Or his dad. God tells Saul, trust that I've put you in this place at this time to do this job. Trust that I am with you. Trust that my love for you never fails. Trust that I approve of you to do this job even if nobody else does. Trust that everyone here can reject you, but I have chosen you. Is God calling you out of the baggage today? Is he, is he asking you to take a big step, a big risk, asking you to trust him? Is he asking you maybe to move to a new part of Leeds? Maybe to move over to East Leeds and join the Nichols in what they're doing with the East Leeds Mission Group? Is he asking you to change your job? Is he asking you to commit to the area of Leeds that you currently live in, to buy a house, to settle down and to say, yeah, I'm going to be here for five years? Is he asking you to take on more leadership in church or more responsibility at work? Is he asking you to speak the truth in love to a friend or to speak to a friend about your faith in Jesus? Maybe it's that you feel fear on a Sunday of going up and speaking to a new person. God says, trust me, trust that that situation is going to be okay because I am with you. Or maybe it's inviting people into your home and God's saying, you know what, trust me, invite somebody back after church for lunch. See, fear can rise up in us very, very quickly. We we want to run and we want to hide. And in that situation, God says, just, just trust me. Trust that I've got this situation. Trust that I've got you. Trust that I know what I'm doing. The truth that brings freedom to do anything God asks of us is ultimately, it doesn't rest on how comfortable we feel. It rests on trusting that God is the one in charge and he knows what he's doing. See, when I stand up here on a Sunday, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm fearful of what might happen. This is a public meeting. Anybody can walk through those doors. I'm fearful about what you guys will think about me, what you guys will say about me. So I have to stand here and I have to trust that God is with me and it doesn't matter what you guys say about me. 
And you read story after story about this in the Bible. I need to remember that like when Daniel goes into the lion's den, when, Eli- when Elijah stands alone on the mountain and he stares down effectively 430 worshippers of Baal, when Jeremiah and Isaiah stood up to the people and said, I think God's calling you to repent and nobody listens to them. Or when Paul is in danger of being attacked for speaking about Jesus, they all stand there and go, you know what, I trust that God is with me and it doesn't matter what's about to happen because God is still with me through that situation. That's what I have to think. That is what I do think. That is what I was thinking when I was standing worshipping before I came and started speaking. Like God is with me. God is present with me. And his love never fails. He never forsakes me. He never leaves me. I can trust him. But maybe you're asking, like, well, how can, how can I trust him? What's the sign that God's love never fails? What's the sign that he'll go to any lengths for me? And the sign that God gives us and has given all of us is the sign of his son hanging on a cross, saying, this is how far I will go to show that I love you. This is how far I go I will go to show I want a relationship with you. I will take all your sin, I'll take everything that separates you from me and I'll die for that on the cross so that I can have a relationship with you today. And as Romans 8 puts it again, because of what Jesus did on the cross, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not death or life, not angels or demons, nor height nor depth, Not my situation, not your situation. No one thing, no person's opinion, no challenge you face. Nothing, nothing. Whatever you're thinking about right now, that thing, that cannot separate you from the love that God has for you in Jesus. We had two words come uh, this morning saying, God remembers his promises and God does not forsake us. Those promises are all yes and amen as Jesus hangs on the cross for us. So I want to finish and I just want to ask you, where are you today? Like, what are you feeling in your life right now? Is there anything that's stood out as I've spoken? Maybe as I've spoken about worry, you're like, yeah, man, that situation, I just keep worrying about it. It just goes round in my head day after day. Or it's, I just, I can't, I can't go back to that situation. I just feel totally inadequate in this role, whether it's at work or in church. Or it's something you just feel really fearful about. I'm, I'm really scared of what God's asking me to do. I'm really scared of this situation. And the thing about all these feelings, and as we see in the story, is these feelings actually hold us back. These feelings held Saul back from a, a full relationship with God, but also from pursuing God's call on him to be king. Do you feel a little bit held back today? Is your fear stopping you from doing things that you want to do or that you feel God is asking you to do? Does a feeling of inadequacy stop you from stepping out? The amazing truth is that God wants to free us from those feelings. He doesn't just expect us to live in them and grit our teeth and be like, oh, this is really hard, but I suppose I just have to get on with it. He's like, I want to bring freedom from those feelings. When Jesus is speaking to his disciples in John chapters 14 and 16, he says, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again, I'm going to ascend and be with the Father. And when I get that, I'm going to ask the Father to send the spirit of truth to you and all my followers. Now the Holy Spirit is that spirit of truth. When the Holy Spirit comes and ministers to us, he confirms to us the truths that we need to know about God's 
the truths that set us free from those feelings and emotions. And I want to give you guys to, a chance to respond to that spirit, that spirit of truth today. To let him counsel your heart, to let him uh, counsel your mind with truth about who God is and what God says about you. And to know and believe and put those words and that truth into practice. Often when you feel like a worry or a fear, you, you're believing a lie about who God is or what God says about you. And you need to replace that lie with the truth. And so um, we're going to invite the band back up in a minute. But do you just want to stand with me for a second? Just before we start singing again, I just want to give you guys a chance to think about whatever that, that situation is, whatever that, that area is that you're feeling, those feelings that hold you back, that fear, um, that worry, that inadequacy. And I'm just going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come and start speaking truth to your heart and to your mind about what God would say, what truth he wants you to know. So if you feel comfortable with this, maybe close your eyes. Um, and just like we did earlier, if you feel comfortable again, just hold out your hands. It's just a, a, a physical sign of being open, being vulnerable. Holy Spirit, we, we thank you so much that you come and you meet with us today. And you remind us of the truths the truth is that God's love is, is unfailing. He doesn't forsake us. The truth is that God is in control over all our situations. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come now. I pray that you would come and minister to us in our situations, in those areas where we feel fear, where we just think, I can't do this anymore. This is just too hard. Would you come and fill us afresh? Fill us with the truth and the knowledge of your love, the love that the Father has for us today.